What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Step Back Special Edition. I've been away for a minute because, I don't know, the season, the NBA season ended, and then I started doing other shit. Um, but it's been a really exciting offseason, and news just broke about the uh, Kyrie Irving trade. He's going to Boston for Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, um, Zizek, and a 2018 draft pick. And a lot of the other podcasts out there were lagging. Um, I wanted to hear some more analysis of the situation, but you know nobody was putting up a new episode in response to this breaking news, so I figured I'd, I'd do one of my own. Um, fucking wow, what the fuck? <laughs> That's a, the first reaction. I have like of of all the potential trades that people have been talking about over the past few weeks, ever since Kyrie uh, asked for a trade, the Celtics wasn't really one that I heard talked about very much. Um, it may partially be because they are competitors. I mean, Cavs have been and I think still are uh, by and far the the runaway favorites to win the East again next year. But the Celtics are the are the number two team, essentially. I mean, last year they were technically the number one seed. Uh, so maybe that was one reason why people didn't really speculate that, that something would happen. Um, a trade would happen between the two teams involving Kyrie and Isaiah Thomas. Um, but it did, motherfuckers. Um, and so, I don't know. I, I feel like the Cavs, the Cavs really came out on top. On this one, um, I'll say I don't think that the Celtics totally got screwed um, because mainly because if you just look at, you know, the names on paper, it looks like maybe the Celtics got screwed. But if you consider the fact that after next year, Isaiah Thomas's contract is up and it was, it's not really totally clear what he would do after that point, um, it's way better to, you know, give up the assets that they gave up and get Kyrie Irving in return and, you know, potentially have Kyrie long-term because I think that's a situation that he could, essentially that he's looking for. You know, I think that with that in mind, uh, the potential future of losing Isaiah Thomas and getting nothing in return for him makes the trade, uh, you know, it, it sort of gives the Celtics an out, uh, avoiding that, that potential situation. Uh, but otherwise, if you just look at, on paper, the Cavs really came out on top. Especially be- considering the fact that Kyrie, you know, they were kind of in a bind. They, people talked about how it was possible that Kyrie could come back and make amends with LeBron. But, you know, they were in a bind. Their number two player asked for a trade, you know. So they essentially had to get rid of him. And they very, it, it was seemed likely that they were going to get less in return for him than he is actually worth. Um, but even... I think that this trade is worth it for the Cavs, even if it's just Isaiah Thomas straight up for Kyrie Irving. Given that Kyrie asked for a trade, you know, I don't think that it's, it's really much of a drop-off at all to get Isaiah Thomas in return for Kyrie Irving. He's shorter. Um, he, Kyrie doesn't really play defense. Like... Isaiah Thomas can't play defense, but um, Kyrie doesn't really play defense either. So it's not much of a drop-off defensively. 
offensively. I mean, Isaiah Thomas was an MVP candidate last year. Um, and, I mean, Kyrie is a, you know, a tested weapon in the NBA Finals. He has a ring, uh, made one of the biggest shots in the history of the NBA, right in Steph Curry's grill, Game 7 of the NBA Finals a couple of years ago. So, you know... But on top of that, you get Jay Crowder, who is basically a much better version, I think, of Iman Shumpert. So it's not just some, like, random role player who's decent. It's, uh, Crowder is a solid role player who, the Cav- who makes the Cavs better. Like, he, they improve at that position, at, at Shumpert's position, because... Crowder is at least as good as Shumpert on defense, and he's a much better shooter, which was one of the big drawbacks of having Shump on the floor, is that the motherfucker couldn't score. Um, So, not only do you get an MVP candidate, and uh, Crowder as as a role player who's immediately going to to make you better, that immediately makes the Cavs better. I think they're better than they were last year with this trade. But not only that, they also got, you know, one young other player and then a 2018 draft pick. So they also, you know, are helping themselves in the future too. Um, for all we, even if LeBron, you know, just imagine that LeBron left at the end of next season and went wherever. The Cavs are going to have potentially, if, if Isaiah Thomas wants to re-up with them, Isaiah Thomas, Kevin Love, Jay Crowder, Tristan Thompson, J.R. Smith. Like, that's not a bad team. Like, so they're not totally screwed. Like, they could have really been screwed. If Kyrie was gone, they didn't really get much for him. Then LeBron decides to leave. Like, she would have just been a train wreck. But the Cavs not only make themselves better to compete with Golden State next year, but also are preparing for the future and laying more of a foundation. Now, as for them competing with Golden State, um, I don't know, y'all. I don't know. I don't, I don't know that the gap between the Cavs and the Warriors is quite as big as everyone is making it out to be. I mean, the series only went five games, but you're looking at... The Cavs came so close to winning Game Three. It's not like all those games were blowouts. The Cavs could have, the Cavs should have won Game Three, and you know that would have made the series two one. They did end up winning Game Four. That would have made the series two two. At that point, you're looking at you know a series that's going at least six games, right? And they could have even won. You know they were in the game and and winning for large parts of it. Uh, in game five. So it's not like they just got blown out of the water. I mean, Golden State was clearly the better team, but the gap wasn't so large between them that, you know, it's just a given that they would win it again, I don't think. I mean, especially if San Antonio stays healthy, if the Cavs are a little bit better. um, You know, even... I do think the Cavs get better through this trade, but even just for a second, imagine that um, in terms of talent and chemistry and every attribute, the Cavs were um, pretty much the same as they were last year, except, you know, you're just sort of trading in one player for another, Kyrie and Isaiah Thomas. 
I mean, that can actually make you better, just changing the chemistry. We know that they were probably not going to win with the same squad against Golden State. You know, because it's been... We've seen that happen. We saw it happen this year. And, you know, it's possible if they replayed again that the Cavs would have a better series and they would come out on top. I think that that was a, would be a real possibility. But they needed, I think, to change something up. So even if, even if Isaiah Thomas isn't way better than Kyrie, you know, maybe he'll just bring a different dynamic to the team, you know. Um, he's, it's interesting because he's in a lot of ways like, a very similar player to Kyrie Irving though so like I don't know how much it's going to change like he's an iso ball player he's a phenomenal scorer and he doesn't play defense I mean that's pretty much Kyrie's story the same as it is Isaiah's um Isaiah might be a little bit better of a passer He's probably a better shooter, and Kyrie's better at getting into the paint. Um, Kyrie's a little bit taller. He can probably get a few more boards um, and probably defend a little bit better than Isaiah just because he's a little bit taller. Um, but essentially, they're the same player. So, I don't know. The chem- He might bring, but, you know, there's more to the game than just, you know, the stats that you bring or whatever, like, he might bring just a different flavor to the team, even, and change it up, um, Kyrie was a bit of a motherfucker, if you ask me, like, obviously, he was sort of tolerating his situation in Cleveland through all these years, if he's now asking for a trade, whereas I think Isaiah Thomas is gonna come in and just be, I feel like he's more of a team-oriented player, Kyrie's all about himself, and Isaiah, I think, will just want to win. And obviously, he's a killer. Like, he's going to want to contribute. He's going to shoot the lights out. Um, but, man, it's going to be fucking interesting. Like, I didn't, I've never thought that I was going to see LeBron James and Isaiah Thomas on the same squad. Like, that's just so crazy. Um, I mean, like, this is going to just sort of catapult Isaiah Thomas's career, I think. Like... Obviously, last year he did that on his own. I'm not saying he needs LeBron to legitimize himself, but like this takes it to a whole new level. He's going to be, I mean, I'm not even talking about the fact that he's literally going to be playing on the biggest stage in the world now next to LeBron James. But just like, even if it's only for one year, like it's going to be fucking Mighty Mouse playing along with with the giant King James, man. This shit's going to be wild, y'all. And they're going to be directly competing with the Celtics. Like, this is, shit is going to be crazy to watch. Um, and this is why I love the NBA. I mean, especially over the past few years, like, with all the sort of autonomy that the players have have garnered um, and, and being able to build super teams and move around a lot, it's just created so much excitement in the offseason. And during and so many, like, so many dramatic storylines and narratives for the regular season, too. Like, I think... Kevin Durant, I agree with Stephen A. Smith on not a lot of things, but uh, I do agree with him in his argument that this is the Kevin Durant's move to Golden State is one of the weakest moves or the weakest move I've ever seen by a superstar before. Um, so it doesn't mean I agree with the fact that, you know, every time a player moves that it was like a move that I respect or whatever, but 
it, I openly admit that it creates great storylines. I mean, that created this dynamic between him and Russ. And, you know, people watched and people followed the NBA news because of that storyline, you know. So the NBA, I think, is doing it right. They're really, I think, going to overtake the NFL uh, in terms of viewership. The NFL is crashing and burning. The NBA is on the rise. And fuck the NFL because, I mean, it's like 50% rapists and, like, domestic, you know, abusers in that league. It's just a huge problem that is, like, being ignored. It's not even, like... I don't even want to get into the NFL. Like, I'm just all sorts of pissed off at, you know, just the sport itself. Like, it's so... Uh, it's just not something that you want to emulate or reflect about society. Like, if you look at a sport and, like, what does this say about our society? I look to basketball and I'm like, yo, this shit is fucking, like, beautiful. Like, it's, it's like a dance, you know what I mean? Like, you look at the way that, that, especially players like Steph Curry, the way he moves out there, like... It's like a fucking dance, man. It's an art form. And football is just like... It's just like the, the, the epitome of like toxic, max, uh, toxic masculinity. Just you know, everything that I hate about it. Um, not only being lifted up, but also like... In, in spite of the fact that... There's all of these... Accused and convicted murderers, rapists, uh, uh, domestic abusers in that league just get swept under the rug. And, you know, that's acceptable. But then Colin Kaepernick comes along and, like, his little protest, which shouldn't have even really been a big deal. Like, it wasn't, it's not that big of a deal. Um, in eighth grade, I had the same protest. I refused to stand for the, the Pledge of Allegiance and I got in trouble. Like, that protest just shouldn't have been that big, shouldn't have been that big of a deal. Uh, but somehow, it's the biggest deal in the world. Meanwhile, we got all these fucking murderers and shit. Like, like, you know, making millions and millions of dollars and being idolized. So, you know, that's the difference between the NBA and the NFL for me. Um, and it's also why I think that... You know, I don't want to... In in discussing LeBron versus Michael Jordan, the whole GOAT conversation, you know, in terms of basketball, just basketball, who's the better player, I would still argue for LeBron. But, so I'm not trying to diminish or like, you know, sidestep the actual argument there and just in terms of basketball. But for me, if you're talking about the GOAT, like it really is about more than just that. Like you, Michael Jordan is a spineless, ignorant motherfucker. Like, and when I say ignorant, I don't think he's necessarily, like, a bigot. I just think that, like, he kept his head down. He was rich, you know, big, like, biggest celebrity in the world. He never took it upon himself to learn about social issues or to use his platform to to, to speak to any relevant social issues. You know, that's his choice. He has the right to do that. But that doesn't mean I have to agree with it or, or, or admire it. Like, I think that's spineless. And so you look at what LeBron James has done, not only, and I'm not even just talking about speaking out on social issues, because I don't necessarily look to athletes to, like, lead the charge in, in that way. I think it's good when they can use their platform, and LeBron has done so, and I think he's, you know, been very well-spoken and made good points when he has done so. But LeBron has changed 
LeBron has, has changed the way that players fit into the NBA in the sense that they have more rights, they have more freedoms, they have more autonomy over their own, the, the trajectory of their own careers. They can build super teams, they can move around. It's not a faux pas anymore for them like to just stay in one place. This is largely because LeBron, I'm not saying it's all him, but like because of the business moves he's made, um, the different decisions he's made, the brands he's built, the way he's promoted them, you know, he's paved the way in a business sense to put a lot of the, the ownership and the agency back in the hands of the players who are, it's really the players who run the league. And, you know, while there's, you know, mostly it's a black league, the vast majority of the owners are white. You know, I, I think maybe all of them are white. I don't really have the, the uh, statistics in front of me, but most of the GMs are white. I think pretty much all the owners are white. Um, and so it's funny because you always hear about like, well, why aren't, you know, these players are sacrificing millions or these players are making millions of dollars. Why don't they sacrifice something to, to you know, allow the team to, you know, bring in some some more stars? It's like, motherfucker, tell, the, tell that to the owners. They're making even more money. They're making more money than anybody else. And nobody ever puts heat on them to take a pay cut. So, you know, that's what I mean when, um, when I say that Braun has has changed the culture in the game of the game in that way and in in favor of the players in general uh having more rights having more power within the league you know i don't think it's a good thing for players to take pay cuts i think it gets dubbed as being selfless i actually think it's selfish it's selfish for kevin durant to take a pay cut because that might be a quicker way for him to get more championships but that actually fucks over all of the people below him in the nba who are going to get less money now because of that perce- the perception and, and the persona that that perpetuates. So, you know, I have no idea how I ended up on this topic after talking about that trade, but, you know, I just wanted to hop on the mic real quick and, you know, speak to the, the breaking news. I'm sure, you know, everybody's going to be talking about it uh, tomorrow. You know, undisputed, Skip and Shannon, come on, Skip! They're going to be at it. Um, Stephen A., Max Kellerman, they're going to be at it. By the way, I just, I'm going to have like a whole episode where I just trolled the fuck out of Will Kane. This motherfucker is something else. I won't even get into it right now, but ESPN needs to drop this fool because he is a fucking bigot. He's just like bullshit personified. That's what Will Kane is. He is the sports journalist of the alt-right. And with that, I'm signing off. Please go ahead, um, go on Twitter and follow uh, Step Back Cast on Twitter. Uh, share with me some ideas, some viewpoints, some reactions that you have. Peace.